0: Chapter number two of volume two of The Mysterious Island. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John T. Coos. The Mysterious Island by Jules Verne. Translated by William Henry Giles Kingston. Volume number two, chapter number two. On the ninth of October, the bark canoe was entirely finished. Pencroft had kept his promise, and a light boat, the shell of which was joined together by the flexible twigs of the crejimba had been constructed in five days. A seat in the stern, a second seat in the middle to preserve the equilibrium, a third seat in the bows rowlocks for the two oars a scull to steer with completed the little craft which was twelve feet long and did not weigh more than two hundred pounds the operation of launching it was extremely simple the canoe was carried to the beach and laid on the sand before granite house and the rising tide floated it pencroft who leaped in directly maneuvered it with the skull and declared it to be just the thing for the purpose to which they wished to put it hurrah cried the sailor who did not disdain to celebrate thus his own triumph with this we could go round the world asked gideon smalit no the island some stones for ballast a mast and a sail "'which the captain will make for us some day, "'and we shall go splendidly.' "'Well, captain, and you, Mr. Spilett, "'and you, Herbert, and you, Neb, "'aren't you coming to try our new vessel? "'Come along. "'We must see if it will carry all five of us.' "'This was certainly a trial which ought to be made. Pencroft soon brought the canoe to the shore "'by a narrow passage among the rocks.' and it was agreed that they should make a trial of the boat that day by following the shore as far as the first point at which the rocks of the south ended as they embarked neb cried but your boat leaks rather pencroft That's nothing, Neb replied the sailor. The wood will get seasoned. In two days there won't be a single leak, and our boat will have no more water in her than there is in the stomach of a drunkard. Jump in. They were soon all seated, and Pencroft shoved off. The weather was magnificent, the sea as calm as if its waters were contained within the narrow limits of a lake thus the boat could proceed with as much security as if it was ascending the tranquil current of the mercy neb took one of the oars herbert the other and pencroft remained in the stern in order to use the scull. the sailor first crossed the channel and steered close to the southern point of the islet a light breeze blew from the south no roughness was found either in the channel or the green sea a long swell which the canoe scarcely felt as it was heavily laden rolled regularly over the surface of the water they pulled out about half a mile distant from the shore that they might have a good view of mount franklin pencroft afterwards returned towards the mouth of the river the boat then skirted the shore which extending to the extreme point hid all Tadorn's fens. This point, of which the distance was increased by the irregularity of the coast, was nearly three miles from the Mercy. The settlers resolved to go to its extremity, and only go beyond it as much as was necessary to take a rapid survey of the coast as far as Claw Cape. The canoe followed the windings of the shore, avoiding the rocks which fringed it, and which the rising tide began to cover. The cliff gradually sloped away from the mouth of the river to the point. This was formed of granite rocks, capriciously distributed, very different from the cliff at Prospect Heights, and of an extremely wild aspect. It might have been said that an immense cartload of rocks had been emptied out there. There was no vegetation on this sharp promontory, which projected two miles from the forest, and it thus represented a giant's arm stretched out from a leafy sleeve the canoe impelled by the two oars advanced without difficulty gideon spilett pencil in one hand and notebook in the other sketched the coast in bold strokes neb herbert and pencroft chatted while examining this part of their domain which was new to them and in proportion as the canoe proceeds towards the south the two mandible capes appeared to move and surround union bay more closely as to cyrus harding he did not speak he simply gazed and by the mistrust which his look expressed it appeared that he was examining some strange country in the meantime after a voyage of three-quarters of an hour The canoe reached the extremity of the point, and Pencroft was preparing to return, when Herbert, rising, pointed to a black object, saying, "'What do I see down there, on the beach?' All eyes turned towards the point indicated. "'Why?' said the reporter. "'There is something. It looks like a part of a wreck half buried in the sand.' "'Ah!' cried pencroft i see what it is what asked neb barrels barrels which perhaps are full replied the sailor "Pull to the shore pencroft said cyrus a few strokes of the oar brought the canoe into a little creek and its passengers leaped on shore Pencroft was not mistaken. Two barrels were there, half buried in the sand, but still firmly attached to a large chest, which, sustained by them, had floated to the moment when it stranded on the beach. "'There has been a wreck, then, in some part of the island,' said Herbert. "'Evidently,' replied Spilett. "'But what's in this chest?' "'cried Pencroft, with very natural impatience. "'What's in this chest? "'It is shut up, and nothing to open it with. "'Well, perhaps a stone.' "'And the sailor, raising a heavy block, "'was about to break in one of the sides of the chest, "'when the engineer arrested his hand. "'Pencroft,' said he, "'can you restrain your impatience for one hour only?' "'But, Captain, just think, perhaps there is everything we want in here.' "'We shall find that out, Pencroft,' replied the engineer. "'But trust to me, and do not break the chest, which may be useful to us. "'We must convey it to Granite House, where we can open it easily, and without breaking it. "'It is quite prepared for a voyage.' and since it has floated here, it may just as well float to the mouth of the river. "'You are right, Captain, and I was wrong, as usual,' replied the sailor. "'The engineer's advice was good. "'In fact, the canoe probably would not have been able to contain the articles,' possibly enclosed in the chest which doubtless was heavy since two empty barrels were required to buoy it up it was therefore much better to tow it to the beach at granite house and now whence had this chest come that was the important question cyrus harding and his companions looked attentively around them "'and examined the shore for several hundred steps. "'No other articles or pieces of wreck could be found. "'Herbert and Neb climbed a high rock to survey the sea, "'but there was nothing in sight, "'neither a dismasted vessel nor a ship under sail. "'However, there was no doubt that there had been a wreck.' perhaps this incident was connected with that of the bullet perhaps strangers had landed on another part of the island perhaps they were still there but the thought which came naturally to the settlers was that these strangers could not be malay pirates for the chest was evidently of american or european make all the party returned to the chest which was of an unusually large size it was made of oak wood very carefully closed and covered with a thick hide which was secured by copper nails the two great barrels hermetically sealed but which sounded hollow and empty were fastened to its sides by strong ropes knotted with a skill which pencroft directly pronounced sailors alone could exhibit it appeared to be in a perfect state of preservation which was explained by the fact that it had stranded on a sandy beach and not among rocks They had no doubt whatever, on examining it carefully, that it had not been long in the water, and that its arrival on this coast was recent. The water did not appear to have penetrated to the inside, and the articles which it contained were no doubt uninjured it was evident that this chest had been thrown overboard from some dismasted vessel driven towards the island and that in the hope that it would reach the land where they might afterwards find it the passengers had taken the precaution to buoy it up by means of this floating apparatus we will tow this chest to granite house said the engineer where we can make an inventory of its contents then if we discover any of the survivors from the supposed wreck we can return it to those to whom it belongs if we find no one we will keep it for ourselves cried pencroft but what in the world can there be in it the sea was already approaching the chest and the high tide would evidently float it one of the ropes which fastened the barrels was partly unlashed and used as a cable to unite the floating apparatus with the canoe pencroft and neb then dug away the sand with their oars so as to facilitate the moving of the chest towing which the boat soon began to double the point to which the name of flotsam point was given the chest was heavy and the barrels were scarcely sufficient to keep it above water the sailor also feared every instant that it would get loose and sink to the bottom of the sea but happily his fears were not realized and an hour and a half after they set out all that time had been taken up In going a distance of three miles, the boat touched the beach below Granite House. Canoe and chest were then hauled up on the sands, and, as the tide was then going out, they were soon left high and dry. Neb, hurrying home, brought back some tools with which to open the chest in such a way that it might be injured as little as possible and they proceeded to its inventory pencroft did not try to hide that he was greatly excited the sailor began by detaching the two barrels which being in good condition would of course be of use then the locks were forced with a cold chisel and hammer and the lid thrown back a second casing of zinc lined the interior of the chest which had been evidently arranged that the articles which it enclosed might under any circumstances be sheltered from damp oh cried neb suppose it's jam i hope not replied the reporter if only there was said the sailor in a low voice what asked neb who overheard him nothing the covering of zinc was torn off and thrown back over the sides of the chest and by degrees numerous articles of very varied character were produced and strewn about on the sand at each new object pencroft uttered fresh hurrahs "'Herbert clapped his hands, and Neb danced up and down. "'There were books which made Herbert wild with joy, "'and cooking utensils which Neb covered with kisses. "'In short, the colonists had reason to be extremely satisfied, "'for this chest contained tools, weapons, instruments, clothes, books— and this is the exact list of them as stated in Gideon Spilett's notebook. Tools three knives with several blades, two woodmen's axes, two carpenters' hatchets, three planes, two adzes, one twibble or mattock, six chisels, two files three hammers three gimlets two augers ten bags of nails and screws three saws of different sizes two boxes of needles weapons two flintlock guns two for percussion caps two breech loader carbines five boarding cutlasses four sabres two barrels of powder each containing twenty five pounds 12 boxes of percussion caps, instruments, one sextant, one double opera glass, one telescope, one box of mathematical instruments, a mariner's compass, one Fahrenheit thermometer, one aneroid barometer, one box containing a photographic apparatus, object glass, plates, chemicals, etc. Clothes two dozen shirts of peculiar material resembling wool but evidently of a vegetable origin three dozen stockings of the same material utensils one iron pot six copper saucepans three iron dishes ten metal plates two kettles one portable stove six table knives books one bible one atlas one dictionary of the different polynesian idioms one dictionary of natural science in six volumes three reams of white paper two books with blank pages it must be allowed said the reporter after the inventory had been made that the owner of this chest was a practical man. Tools, weapons, instruments, clothes, utensils, books—nothing is wanting. It might really be said that he expected to be wrecked, and had prepared for it beforehand. "'Nothing is wanting, indeed,' murmured Cyrus Harding thoughtfully. "'And for a certainty,' added Herbert, the vessel which carried this chest and its owner was not a malay pirate unless said pencroft the owner had been taken prisoner by pirates that is not admissible replied the reporter It is more probable that an American or European vessel has been driven into this quarter, and that her passengers, wishing to save necessaries at least, prepared this chest and threw it overboard. ''Is that your opinion, Captain?'' asked Herbert. ''Yes, my boy,'' replied the engineer, ''that may have been the case it is possible that at the moment or in expectation of a wreck they collected into this chest different articles of the greatest use in hopes of finding it again on the coast even the photographic box exclaimed the sailor incredulously as to that apparatus replied harding i do not quite see the use of it and a more complete supply of clothes or more abundant ammunition would have been more valuable to us as well as to any other castaways but isn't there any mark or direction of these instruments tools or books which would tell us something about them asked gideon Spilett. that might be ascertained each article was carefully examined especially the books instruments and weapons neither the weapons nor the instruments contrary to the usual custom bore the name of the maker they were besides in a perfect state and did not appear to have been used the same peculiarity marked the tools and the utensils all were new which proved that the articles had not been taken by chance and thrown into the chest, but, on the contrary, that the choice of things had been well considered and arranged with care. This was also indicated by the second case of metal, which had preserved them from damp, and which could not have been soldered, in a moment of haste as to the dictionaries of natural science and polynesian idioms both were english but they neither bore the name of the publisher nor the date of publication the same with the bible printed in english in quarto remarkable from a typographic point of view and which appeared to have been often used the atlas was a magnificent work comprising maps of every country in the world and several planispheres arranged upon Mercator's projection and of which the nomenclature was in french but which also bore neither date nor name of publisher there was nothing therefore on these different articles by which they could be traced and nothing, consequently, of a nature to show the nationality of the vessel which must have recently passed these shores. But wherever the chest might have come from, it was a treasure to the settlers on Lincoln Island. Till then, by making use of the productions of nature, they had created everything for themselves— and thanks to their intelligence they had managed without difficulty but did it not appear as if providence had wished to reward them by sending them these productions of human industry their thanks rose unanimously to heaven however one of them was not quite satisfied it was pencroft it appeared that the chest did not contain something which he evidently held in great esteem for in proportion as they approached the bottom of the box his hurrahs diminished in heartiness and the inventory finished he was heard to mutter these words that's all very fine but you can see that there is nothing for me in that box this led neb to say Why, friend Pencroft, what more do you expect? Half a pound of tobacco, replied Pencroft seriously, and nothing would have been wanting to complete my happiness. No one could help laughing at this speech of the sailors. But the result of this discovery of the chest was that it was now more than ever necessary to explore the island thoroughly. It was therefore agreed, that the next morning, at break of day, they should set out, by ascending the Mercy, so as to reach the western shore. If any castaways had landed on the coast, it was to be feared they were without resources, and it was therefore the more necessary to carry help to them without delay during the day the different articles were carried to granite house where they were methodically arranged in the great hall this day the twenty ninth of october happened to be a sunday and before going to bed "'Herbert asked the engineer "'if he would not read them something from the gospel. "'Willingly,' replied Cyrus Harding. "'He took the sacred volume, "'and was about to open it, "'when Pencroft stopped him, saying, "'Captain, I am superstitious. "'Open at random and read the first verse "'which your eye falls upon. "'We will see if it applies to our situation.' "'Cyrus Harding smiled at the sailor's idea, "'and yielding to his wish, He opened exactly at a place where the leaves were separated by a marker. Immediately his eyes were attracted by a cross which, made with a pencil, was placed against the eighth verse of the seventh chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew. He read the verse which was this, For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. End of chapter 2. Recording by John T. Coos, www.validateyourlife.com.